The Lord be with you, friends. It is so good to be back with you after a wonderful three-month sabbatical. My family had such a great time. Here's a picture of me in the middle of sabbatical. I think you'll like that. It's actually not true. My daughter Mariah face-apped something to make me look something other. Here's actually a real picture of our family. That's Old Faithful in Yellowstone. We missed it twice. That's a different story for a different day. Sabbatical began... May 15 and really ended August 15. There were two weeks on either side. The elders of the church gave me permission to kind of ease in and out of ministry life. On May 13, my friend Ted Simpkins and I went out to lunch at the Red Rock Cafe over by Mac Legend's golf course just a couple days before the sabbatical began. I've done a few weddings at Mac Legend's. Uh, Travis and Jonna Stott, Amy and Jason Muller had the reception there. Uh, Lauren DeHaan and Brad had their reception there, but I'd never done lunch there, so I was kind of excited to check out the Red Rock Cafe. Pulled into the parking lot, parked right next to Ted, which was a happy convenience. Made our way into the lobby, saw the big, beautiful reception area, and then down the stairs into the Red Rock Cafe. The hostess met us. It opens up to a big, huge outdoor patio overlooking the golf course. It's quite stunning, really. Uh, the waitress who greeted us, her name was Whitley, she walked us to our table as she was setting the menus down on the wrought iron table, the, sl the short sleeve of her shirt slid up and I saw a large tattoo on her tricep, it was uh, peonies and other flowers and then in the middle of the flower scene it said Psalm 116.7, I was thinking Psalm 116.7, that's, that's, that's one of the psalms in the Hallel a set of six psalms that Jews would pray during their celebration of Passover. Jesus would have prayed that very psalm the night he was betrayed, the night he, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them, the night he poured out the cup and started talking about forgiveness, Psalm 116, 7. I was thinking these things in the millisecond it takes to think things before I said to Whitley, hey, I like your tattoo. She got bright-eyed, huge smile, said, ah, oh, thanks. I said, well, what about that psalm? She said, what? I said, the psalm, Psalm 116, 7. I couldn't remember the actual words of the verse. She said, oh, yeah, return, O oh, my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has been good to you. And it felt to me like the speaking spirit picked up the ink off her tricep and tattooed it onto my sabbatical soul. Return, O oh, my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has been good to you. Return from the frenetic pace of keeping up with whomever you're trying to impress. Return from the anxious space of managing your life, controlling expectations. Return from the distressed place of having to be right all the time. Return, oh my soul. Return from the ideologies that have co-opted your faith. Return from the bitterness that is eroding your soul. Return from the complacencies that's losing your life. Return, oh my soul. The Bible, actually, you could see the, the whole of the Bible as one big story of returning. God inviting us back. Jesus enters the scene in, in the New Testament, and he's, the first thing he starts talking about is returning. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, return. Return, O oh my soul, 
to your rest. That's what uh, Luther pounded on the doors of Wittenberg in like 1517, igniting the revolution we call the Reformation. The first thesis, our Lord and Master wills that the whole life of the believer would be one of repentance. In other words, return. Return, O oh my soul. So if you're willing, what I'd like to do over the next couple of weeks, I want to merge my sabbatical verse and our all things new celebration into one. We're celebrating the 10 years anniversary of the reestablishment of Pillar. We like to tell that story. We think it's healthy and good to tell again what God's been doing with us. And we're going to start here. We're going to start now with that one word, return. Keep it in mind and listen with me to this from the book that breathes life. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, when no herb of the field was yet on the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. Though a stream rose from the center of the earth to water the whole face of the ground, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God placed the man in a garden in Eden in the east. And the Lord God caused to grow every tree that's good for food and pleasant to the sight, the tree of life also in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From the garden flows a river. From there it becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah. There's gold in that land. The gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The, the name of the second is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third is the Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the name of the fourth is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God said, you may freely eat of the fruit of the trees that are in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it's not good. That man should be alone. I'll make a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused to grow every animal of the field and bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man named all the cattle and the birds of the air and the animals of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come upon the man. And he slept. And the Lord God took from the man a rib and he closed up its place with flesh. And out of the rib the Lord God had taken from the man, he, he formed into the woman and he brought her to the man, and the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man she came. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh, and they were both naked, and there was no shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Genesis chapter 2. If you happen to have a Bible near you and you want to find it, what a story. 
What an amazing story. That's how it all started. That's how it all began. That's where you're from. Return, oh my soul. Return to where we started. Return to where we're from. Return to intimacy. Return to vulnerability. Return to purpose. Return, oh my soul. Return to intimacy. That's, that's one of the things I'm noticing in this Genesis 2 story. The first experience of humanity is proximity. You, you probably noticed this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Can you see that scene? Can you imagine it? The, the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, mouth to mouth, face to face. The man inhales for the first time, opens his eyes for the first time, and the first thing he sees is God. God close. God in proximity. God for. God present. Which is kind of interesting, maybe a little ironic, because our first experience in life, our birthed lives, is absence if you want to think of it like that. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but it's kind of true. Our first experience in life is absence. Uh, Ava turns six today. She's our youngest. August 28, 2016, she emerged into the oxygen-breathing world. It was a Sunday morning. I woke up. Ava was two days, or Kristen was two days overdue with Ava. Two days when you're that pregnant is like an eternity. You combine an anticipation and excitement and a few hormones and we were out of our minds. I woke up Sunday morning. I asked Kristen how she was doing. She said in a disappointed tone, I'm fine, which is my permission to go to church. About 10 to 9, 10 minutes before the first service that morning, I get a text from Kristen saying, hey, I'm going to the hospital. My belly feels a little tight. And I'm like, hey, can you just wait a couple of hours? I'll be there soon. Just give me a couple of hours to get through the morning. She said, oh, it'll be fine. So I'm preaching that morning like this. I've got my Bible in one hand, and don't tell anybody, but I've got my smartphone in the middle of my Bible, just in case she texts me. I don't know what I was going to do if she texted me, but I thought I should know. Everything went fine. We went over to the hospital after, after the second service, meandered the halls of the birth center that afternoon at 11.45 p.m. on August 28. Ava Grace Brown was born after she laid on Kristen's chest for a while, I got to hold her. I was wearing my white quarter zip Hope College soccer shirt, and she defecated all over me. I totally deserved it. And she did what you do, what you want babies to do when she's first born. She started screaming. She started wailing. She started bawling, a, 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 a bawling bundle of human flesh. And then, and then we, literally, we, we literally cut her off from her mom. Her first experience was absence. She entered this bright, lit, beeping world. Her first, if you want to see it that way, her first experience was absence. And then it kind of keeps going, you know what I mean? As we were raising our kids, we used the Ferber method to try to help them sleep through the night. In other words, let them cry it out. So you put that little sweet one in the crib and they start bawling and wailing and you leave, let them cry it out, absence. And then you drop them off at kindergarten and you're just weeping and bawling and they're walking away and you get home only to realize, hey, this isn't so bad. And then it's 
you know, 16, and they, and, and they drive away, and then it's college, and you drop them off, and it, it's just these successive experiences of absence. It's not bad, it's necessary, but it's still real. But not with God. Not with God. God close, God proximate, God for, God with. What if God wants to be with you? Return Oh, my soul, to intimacy, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The first experience of humanity is God's presence. What if God is not the angry tyrant we generally make him out to be, offering a set of rules you better not break, but what if God is a loving father who wants to be with his children, God close? Isn't that, isn't that the story of the Bible? Genesis 3, we'll get to it next week. The first man and the first woman take the fruit they're not supposed to eat, and the world gets sent spiraling into chaos, and God shows up, and God says, hey, where are you? God close. God in proximity. And then, of course, in the fullness of time, God sent his only son, the infant child, born in the Bethlehem town, laid in that dusty manger, born of the virgin, held in her arms, only to become the crucified Lord for the forgiveness of our sins who went down to the grave to defeat sin and death and rose up in resurrection so that we might have life, so that all things could be made new. God close so that he would be with us. And even St. John said, catching a vision of what will be one day, see, the home of God is among mortals. What if God wants to be with you? Return, oh my soul. From all the distractions, from all the things that keep you from who you actually are in relationship with the living God. So I don't know what that looks like for you as the inconsistent habits of summer turn into the more rhythmic realities of fall. Return. Somebody told me a third of churchgoers left the church during COVID and haven't come back. Return. Return to what you're made for. Return to who you are. Uh, if you're looking for a little help in the process of returning, I've read a book this summer called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. Might be a helpful journeying partner along the way. I read this book also this summer by Frederick Beekner. It's a compilation of his, of his reflections. Each must say for himself what he searches for. And there will be as many answers as there are searchers, but perhaps there are certain general answers that will do for us all. We search for a self to be. We search for other selves to love. We search for work to do. And since even when to one degree or another we find these things, we find also that there's still something crucial missing, which we have not found. Even when you found it all, you realize you still haven't found it all. Return my soul. Return to intimacy. Return to vulnerability, if you don't mind my putting it that way. We're not so much into vulnerability. We, we say we like authenticity, but we really don't mean that. <laughs> we like power. Vulnerability feels like weakness. We like security. Vulnerability feels like being exposed. We like security. Vulnerability feels too risky. So you know how it goes. I mean, all of these experiences of absence in life, they kind of, you can sort of think of them as loss, and we end up putting up fences. We, we kind of keep 
people at a distance. If you knew me, if you actually knew me, you'd probably laugh at me. You'd, you'd probably pick on me. You might even judge me, and you'll certainly shame me, so I'm just going to keep it all close. I'm just going to keep you away. But check this out. Genesis 2. The Lord God brought the woman to the man, and the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman for out of man she came for this reason. A man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife. And here we go, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, if you don't mind my saying. And they were both naked, and there was no shame. Vulnerability. You were made to be known. Vulnerable. You can't go sharing all of your deepest secrets with everyone you bump into. You would be exhausted, and people would experience it as awkward. But you have to have some people in your life with whom you can be the genuinely true you. That's what you were made for. Return, oh my soul, to vulnerability. That same book I was telling you about from Frederick Buechner, Listening to Your Life, it's basically a daily set of reflections. This one from a week or so ago is called Alcoholics Anonymous. No matter what far place alcoholics end up in, either in this country or virtually anywhere else, they know that there will be an AA meeting nearby to go to and that at that meeting they will find strangers who are not strangers to help and to heal, to listen to the truth and to tell it. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Would it ever occur to Christians in, in a far place to turn to a church nearby in hope of finding the same? Would they find it? If not, you wonder what's so big about the church's business. Would they find it in a church? A group of people who might just possibly have space for their story. What do we say about Pillar? A place where your name is known, your story is heard, your questions are honored. Is that true? Return, oh my soul, to vulnerability. It's what you were made for. I'm guessing there's a college student who's getting dropped off on campus today somewhere, feeling the absence, needing a people, who will welcome and hold and listen and care. I'm guessing there's a, there's a spouse whose marriage is teetering on the brink and they need a space, they need a people who will hold space for their pain. I'm guessing there's a single person and all the joys that that brings, but questions it invites who need a people who, who will hold their story, hold their life. Return, oh my soul, to vulnerability. It's what you were made for. They were both naked, and there was no shame. Return, O oh my soul, to purpose. Check this out. The Lord God took the man, I don't know where he was, but he took him, and he placed him in the garden, and then this, to till it and keep it before the fall. Before things got kind of messed up and mixed up, God made us for work, to till and keep. Even the very beginning, the, the story begins like this. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and here's this, and there was no one to till the ground. God made us to till and keep. 
to serve and protect is another way to translate it, to, to nurture and care and love and serve and nourish into flourishing. Return, oh my soul, to purpose. It's what, it's what you were made for. And if you're, if you're in a place in life where your work doesn't feel like home, doesn't feel like it's coming from the truest sense of yourself, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an invitation to discern. Return, oh my soul. You were made to work. God, from the very beginning, invites us into participation with him in the work he's doing in the world. And every sector of public life is included in the serving and protecting, the nurturing and the nourishing of the whole world. This good news we call the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just good news for a few of us who happen to believe a couple of the right things. It's meant to be from us for the whole world, good news for the whole world. So serve, protect, till, keep, till, and keep teachers teaching and parents parenting, till, and keep singles singling and poets writing, till, and keep business people producing and students studying, till, and keep. Till, serve, protect, nurture, watch, care, love, give. That's what you're for. So it was May 13. I'm at the Red Rock Cafe. Whitley sets the, the menus down. I see the tattoo, Psalm 116.7. That's what I've been thinking about for three and a half months. Return, O oh my soul. Return, O oh my soul. It was June 25, I married uh, Lito Wagenveld to Brittany right here. And just after the wedding, we drove west to Wyoming. It's a 22-hour trip. We went out to the, the Tetons and uh, Yellowstone. We whitewater rafted the Snake River. Uh, here's a picture of my girls uh, swimming in Jenny Lake in the Tetons. Here's a picture of Ava horseback riding. That was terrifying. It was a 22-hour trip, so I'm thinking to myself, I don't really want to rent a hotel room for six of us. It's never very comfortable, three people in two queen beds. So I thought, you know what, we'll just drive through the night. Maybe if I get tired, we'll, we'll pull off into some rest area. We're cruising through Iowa. We can see off in the distance a big, huge Iowa thunderstorm. The lightning piercing the horizon, the, the, the thunder shaking our car, and we could see the sheets of rain coming down in the distance. We find that maybe 1.30 in the morning, we get into those sheets of rain, and I'm not really tired, but it feels like a good time to take a break anyway, so we pull off into the rest area. The rain is pounding. It's one of those semi-truck, you know, like village rest areas, tons of semi-trucks, but not that many cars. The rain is pounding, so our windows are up, but there's six of us in this Chevy Traverse, so it's getting a little warm, so I turn the car off, but leave the AC on. I'm trying to get some sleep, tossing and turning. Cars are really not places meant to be slept in. About 45 minutes of that, I'm thinking, you know what, this is for the birds. Let's just, let's just hit the road, turn the key. Nothing. I'm thinking, oh man, this is not good. Do it again. Nothing. A third time, the, 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 revert, the screen on the car that you know, helps you back up, blank. Kristen's looking at me like, is a Motel 6 that expensive? So I, I grab a blanket from, from one of the kids. Why, why are they having a blanket if we're also having the AC on? So I get out of the car, and the, the blanket becomes my umbrella. There's another car. It's just pulled in to the rest area about six, seven spots away from me. I walk over to the car. He's reluctant to roll down the window, but eventually, I mean, I'm right next to his car. He rolls it down like two inches, and I say, excuse me, you know, 3 a.m. maybe. 
hair is disheveled. I've got that raspy, you know, midnight voice. Excuse me, sir. My car died. Would you be willing to give me a jump? And he looks up through that two inches of his window, looks at me, looks over at my car, shakes his head no, rolls up his window. I can't really fault him, you know. I probably didn't look like the guy you wanted to jump at 3 a.m. So I go back to our car, get in the, get in the seat. Kristen's looking at me like, mm-mm. And I'm mad at her because she's mad at me. You know how that goes sometimes. She's got AAA open on her phone. I'm, I'm not calling AAA because I'm mad right now. So I, I just kind of closed my eyes and I said, Lord, can you please start this car? Turn the key. <laughs> Fires up. We peel out of that rest area in Iowa. We drive west as fast as we can. I have no reason for telling you that except I call it the immaculate ignition. We finally get out to the Tetons about an hour south of Jackson Hole. It was amazing. Here's a little picture of the bonfire I'd have every night that looked off into the Rockies. On one, we're, we're in Star Valley, so we're up in the hills on one side of the Rockies looking at the other side of the Rockies. It was so beautiful. The, the fire would go out, the sun would set, and the stars. There were so many stars. You could see them up, partly because of the elevation, partly because of the, such little light pollution. There were, it was like you were swimming in stars. It was like you could reach out and grab them. You could like dance on top of them. Uh, the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, Orion's Belt, they were all right there, and I felt so small. Return, oh my soul, so small. This ever-expanding universe, that's what they tell me anyway. We're so small. What are you trying to build? What are you trying to make? What ladder are you trying to climb? It's, you're so small. Return to what you were made for. Intimacy, vulnerability, purpose. The new thing God intends to do in the world, he intends to do with, through, for you, for the whole world. And maybe just a few of us, maybe just a couple of us will live into the psalmist's prayer, return. Return, and God might just do a new thing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're all searching for a self to be. We're searching for a person to love. We're searching for a purpose to claim. And once we have all those things, we realize we're still searching, which is why God sent his son, Jesus, because he loves us, because he wants to be with us. And here at the table, proximity again, face to face again, if you believe Jesus is Lord and acknowledge him as Savior, you're, you're welcome to partake of communion in this virtual way, bread and wine, crackers and juice. If you're not a Christian, if that's not where you're at, you just got kind of dragged into this online thing, this isn't meant to be weird for you, I invite you rather to consider the things you've heard today, consider where you're at in life and faith. Return, O oh my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has been good to you.